Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. So if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Proverbs. Give it up for Nathan and Joe for helping us tonight. Um, They are blessing us with their presence along with Morgan through the summer while Ethan is gone, and so we appreciate having them. Uh, But as you're turning to Proverbs, if you have your Bible or phone or whatever you're doing, we're going to be in Proverbs for the majority of the time. And have you guys ever been doing something uh, that you were involved in and you were kind of shocked that you were actually doing it because of your past? Uh, Maybe you had done some things that were pretty bad or you made some poor decisions and then you were in the middle of either a conversation uh, with maybe your your girlfriend or boyfriend and you were like, man, I can't believe that I am either in this relationship or uh, you were applying for a job and there was a chance that you were going to get the job and as you were applying, you're like, oh my, how is this even a thing? Like, do they know me? And one of the ironies about uh, me being a pastor is before I became a Christian, I used to, I was on a football team and someone here was actually at these events, but at halftime and before the game, I was responsible uh, my senior year for giving what would be called the pump-up speech. Um, I would watch YouTube videos at home, I would get all amped up, I would remember I'd have certain lines and keys, and one of the things that, was, that would, I was known for, and I remember a freshman even asking me the question, he counted how many cuss words I said in a pump-up speech one one time. I'm not going to tell you how many I said, but it was a lot. And so what would happen was I'd get everybody all amped up and I'd be like, all right, let's go. And we'd run out of the tunnel and all these things. And it was, you're wondering where I'm going with this. The irony in all that is that now what I used to get spanked for when I was little, what I used to get uh, cussed at for what I was saying when I was little now, I get paid for it, which is, which is not your thinking, but which is to talk or to use words and communicate that God took something that was in me that was really bad and he redeemed it. He took the words that I was using and the things I was saying that were anything but godly, anything but right, and he redeemed it. And he says, hey, you got a lot of passion and you got a lot of angst. I just want you to tell people about me now and not just cuss people out and things like that. I have something for your life, a plan and purpose for your life. And so tonight, why is all that relevant? We are talking about the topic of watch your words The past two weeks, we've been in the series Coffee with Grandpa. We talked about wisdom in general, and then we talked about last week directional decisions when you don't have a verse. Tonight, we're going to talk about our words. Next week, I'm not going to tell you what we're talking about because you won't come. And then the final week, what we're going to talk about is uh, decision-making with money and finances and things like that. So bring your checkbook. And so anyway, I'm just kidding. You're like, Vent, a checkbook? You're like, what's that? Uh, But anyway, um, tonight is with our words. And if, if... You could have a conversation with someone who is older than you, has more wisdom than you. What they would probably say is something along the lines of this. You should watch what you say. You should not speak certain things to certain people at certain times. That if I was having a conversation with my grandpa, who I've shared, he's not alive, but if I were going to have the conversation, he would probably, if I had to bet, 
he would probably start to share stories of, hey, there have been some times where my words hurt other people. There have been times that my words caused division in the family. There have been times where my words, on the other side, it encouraged someone. They were, we'll talk about tonight, they were life-giving, not life-taking. That what you say matters tremendously. You already know the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may what? Never hurt me. You guys are like, I got thick skin. You can say whatever you want, right? And then until someone actually says something, and then you go home and cry and tell mom and coddled and all those things. So anyway, um, that words actually impact us, it's, and, and they're tremendously important. It's the first proverb we'll look at. It's just Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see a man who's hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. That if you, like me, are quick to talk, quick to text, quick to comment, quick to reply, quick with a sarcastic phrase, quick with a jab, there's more hope than a fool than for you. And guess how much hope there is for a fool? I don't know, but it ain't much. It, ain't, it can't be a lot. And actually, this idea we'll talk about tonight is what you should do with your words because all of you already know this stuff to be true. Because when someone hurts you, when someone hurts you, you don't tend to forget it. Actually, when someone hurts you, they will have a long memory because the words that have been said impact us. And it was the brother of Jesus, he says in James 1.19, let every person be quick to hear, it should be the next slide, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That being slow to speak is a skill to develop. It doesn't happen overnight. For some of you, um, learning to speak slowly, you might not actually learn that you have a problem. And I've shared this in many scenarios and cases, but you won't learn you have a problem until you get married. And what I mean by that is, that's what happened to me. Um, I would sit through sermons like this, and I'm like, why don't you just learn not to talk? Like, just be quiet. You know, what's the problem? Like, and then I got married, and like about three hours in, I was like, uh, uh, you, you that's a, it's a true story. So uh, it, we were leaving the reception, and it just, you know, so when you speak, you, marriage will reveal that, man, you just, you don't watch what you say sometimes, or the lack of of what you say matters. So tonight, we're going to jump into all these ideas. I hope they're super practical for you, but the first point or first idea I want to kind of talk about tonight is words equal power. Words equal power. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. That um, what you say, good or bad, um, has power, and there's life in them. That when someone encourages you, there's certain people that can encourage you, man, and it's, it's incredible. Aren't there some people that can say the right thing at the right time and you're ready to run through a brick wall, right? It's, it's a certain parent. It's someone who has influence. It's life-giving. It's, I mean, if my dad or my wife encouraged me in the same day, look out. Like, I, I won't sleep. I slept two hours and I'm like, let's go. Like, you're, it's life. There's certain people, and then on the same token, there are some people that if they say something hurtful, it almost, it feels like it kills your soul. It takes away. And then it says in Proverbs 13, 3, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. 
He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. So guard your mouth, and whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. That if you have or learn the ability to refrain from saying certain things, sending certain things, commenting about certain things, that you can save yourself from a ton of trouble. How many, how many um, times would you have saved yourself if you didn't send the text that you shouldn't have sent? Typed it up quick, maybe you thought about it for a second, and bam, next thing you know, shoot. They screenshotted it, they sent it to someone else, they showed someone else, and next thing you know, your words have caught you. Did you say this? Uh-uh. Really? That it comes to ruin. And you would already know this to be true, that words have tremendous power because of even, even in history itself, words define reality. I mean, if you look at, even in a negative sense, you look at Hitler, his words had power and they brought death. And he was motivating and pushing and controlling and forcing with his words. But then on a positive side, you look at Martin Luther King Jr., where he would use his words. You look at Billy Graham, who would use his words and bring life. That it really creates, it's the only thing today that is really creative that you do. I mean, maybe it's, it's almost, it's a skill to develop, and it's when you use your words, you're creating content and creating conversation with your words. And a lot of us, I know myself, you just don't think about the power that your words have. You just don't consider, man, what weight do these words have? And should I say what I'm going to say? Should I not say this? How should I say this? And when should I say this? You already know this to be true, that words have tremendous, tremendous power. And number two, the wise build up. The wise build up. Before I even touch this, I totally forgot about something. Um, and Nathan referenced this. He made a jab about how I don't talk about theology in here while he was leading. But really, it was just uh, the, the term, the theological term, about God being unchanging. And how God's word is unchanging, but our words don't change. That God, the way that he communicates to us is through words. It says in Hebrews 1 that long ago... He would speak to the prophets, and the prophets would speak to the people on behalf of God. But now, in later days, he's given us his son, whom he speaks through. And now we have the Holy Spirit, and he speaks through his word to us, and, and you and I, and he communicates to us. Words have tremendous power. You already, you already know this. And the wise, what they do is they build up. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Gracious words. A, a timely word, it would, it would say later on, but in, in Ephesians 4, it says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who, who is the head, referring to Christ. Speaking the truth in love. Now, what a lot of people will do with this is they'll say, hey, I want to encourage someone. I want to be gracious with words, so they will lie. They will lie. They'll flatter. Flattering someone by lying is still lying. Prime example, uh, let's say I teach uh, a message that you hate. You just hate it. You didn't like anything about it. You fell asleep. Uh, you were texting mom the whole time. You were looking at the clock the whole time. I can't keep your attention. You don't like it. And then uh, I talk to you afterwards. You're like, that was so, oh, that was so amazing. That was just what I needed for tonight. 
Would that encourage me? Maybe, unless I saw you sleeping, but that would be an example of, of lying. You don't, gracious words are like honeycomb sweetness to the soul and health to the body. It doesn't mean you lie, it means you speak the truth in love. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. It's life-giving. Proverbs 9, or, uh, 12, 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. This idea of words that it will make someone glad, when you are anxious and you're feeling really down, the right person says the right thing at the right time about the right circumstances, it will lift your spirits. From even secular sources, really, it would only be from that. They said the number one, and I'm not huge into these, but I've, you know, I know about them anyway. There's all these personality tests. You got Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, love languages, all this stuff. Love languages, they said, in our generation. So we would still kind of be in the same generation. The number one love language was, and you can guess, it's words of affirmation. Wasn't quality time. Wasn't physical touch. I forget what the other three are, but anyway, it was or acts of service, whatever. It was words of affirmation that you, a lot of you, feel like when you are when your tank is filled up from someone and they encourage you, you feel or sense that that person cares about you, that they love you, and that they noticed you, that they saw something. They said, "Hey, I saw what no one else saw, and I want to let you know." That was awesome. The, the wise seek to build up. It says, you can keep going. Yeah, no, 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 you're good. Proverbs 15, it says, To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good is it? Ephesians 4, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. This one spanks me all the time because I'll, I'll circle no, and I write in my Bible, no means no. Okay, so no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. And I'm like, yeah, but what if it's funny? <laughs> Is that just me? <laughs> Only me? Okay, just the pastor. And I'll be like, and, and there's been times where uh, we'll be with our friends, and afterwards, Hope will be like, probably shouldn't have said that. And I'm like, but it was just so funny. I couldn't help. I jumped right in. Next thing you know, but no means no. Corrupting. Talk, or in Ephesians 5, course jesting, which is just making jabs. And, and hear me correctly. I believe Jesus and the disciples laughed a ton. I bet there was jokes. I bet they had a sense of humor. They weren't these stiff boards walking around in robes with reverence, which some people think reverence is synonymous with boring, and it's not. That reverence just means you take God seriously, but doesn't necessarily we always have to take ourselves seriously. It doesn't mean that they can't joke or laugh and have fun. But no corrupting talk means no corrupting talk. I mean, this scares the daylights out of me when I'm teaching. Because sometimes, out of nowhere, something will come to my head. I give it a quarter of a second thought. Bam, I say it. And then I'm like, that probably could have, that, that could have fell into that line. That could have been corrupting talk. How many, think about this, how many Bad situations have, could you have saved yourself from if you just didn't say it? And how many, and for some of you, it's easier to think of what people have said about you. How many, how much less hurt would you have if someone just wouldn't have said it? They wouldn't have commented it. They wouldn't have tweeted it. They wouldn't have texted it. They wouldn't have slid up on it and said something that's just like, 
Okay, why? And that's why a word in season, it's timely, it's specific. And for here's where this gets super hard. A lot of us are starving, literally starving for affirmation or encouragement of words from other people. So because we're starving, we refuse to give it. So no one will encourage you, and you'll say, well, I'm not doing it until someone else will encourage me. I'm not going to say something to her or encourage her because she hasn't said anything to me. I won't say anything to them because, right, the list goes on. And so you'll say, until I am filled up, I'll start to give it. Well, maybe, like Jesus, we don't give out of the abundance, but maybe out of the poverty of something. You don't pour something out so that you're just filled up, but when you do pour out, you are in turn filled up. Number three, shutting up can be a win. And this is just, this is, this is right where we need to be tonight. Shutting up can be a win. So this is a wisdom principle. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Now, why would the Proverbs say, or Solomon say, if someone just shuts up for a long period of time, they don't say anything, everyone's going to be like, he or she is super wise. And everyone's like, why? And it's just like, they just seem very wise. Stoic. They're stoic. And it's like, they haven't said anything. And here's, it's, it's not that you have nothing to say. It's not that you're just an airhead, you don't think about things, you don't think through your words. It's not that at all. What it means is this. A cool spirit contemplates their words and they don't need to comment on everything that is at their fingertips. You consider them a cool spirit. Someone that thinks about this, everyone will consider that person wise. And you might be dumber than a box of rocks, but everyone's going to be like, man... They're just so smart. I should, I should ask him. Really, when have you seen, what, what, what wisdom do they have? He just seems like a wise dude. Why? I don't know. He doesn't say anything. It means he's, he's got to be wise. It's crazy how the Proverbs paint this, but, I mean, I've seen this take place. It's usually true. I'll see someone who has the ability or the self-control to consider what they're saying, and everybody, everybody's like, man, that, that guy or that girl they, they probably have something to say because we haven't heard what they have to say. It says in uh, Titus, and this just came, before, just, just came to me a little bit ago. Titus 2, it says this. Titus 2, verse 6. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model in these things. Model of good works in integrity dignity, and sound speech, and this is why, that cannot be condemned so that the opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. If you have sound words or you watch what you say, there usually isn't a charge that people can bring against you. They, they Maybe by association, maybe by actions, but for most of the time they'll say, man, he or she just didn't get themselves caught in their words, so they, they have to be wise. They appear wise. And then it says in Proverbs twenty nineteen, whoever goes about slandering 
reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. A question for you to consider is, can people associate with you? Can they? Or are you a simple babbler or a gossip, it means? There's some people that you won't hang out with anymore because they talk too much. You can't what? Trust them. You can't tell them certain things because you know if you tell them, you might as well post about it. You know if you tell that one friend, you might as well just tell everyone else because they will. And for you, can, can people trust me enough with my words that I won't turn what they said, I won't say how they said it, I won't twist it and add to the story or take away? Can people trust me? Because when someone says, hey, I need to tell you this, but you can't tell anyone else, does that carry weight with you? And as this is true with our friendships, with other people, that shutting up can be a win at times. It also is true with God sometimes. Solomon, the same guy that we've been talking about in Ecclesiastes 5, says this, that guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Guard your steps, the direction of your steps, determine the direction of your life. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know what they are doing, that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. I'll read that again. Let your heart, let not your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you on you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. It goes on to say in chapter 5, verse 6, let not your mouth lead you into sin. And I think there's two principles here in Ecclesiastes 5 to bring up in this. I'd like to preach Ecclesiastes, that's why we're in it right now. But anyway, um, that God would rather you be real with him than for you to be fake. He would rather the real you. He doesn't want you to, you know, dear holy gracious Father, heaven above, I pray in Jesus' name that you, when you're struggling, when rather you got some stuff to say. You got some stuff to get off your chest. God would rather you to be real than act like you're right or to be fake. He would rather that, but sometimes he would also for you to come to listen, just to listen. I was talking with a mentor of mine, and he was explaining to me in this season of life that I'm in right now, he said, Mike, you need to have three, this is what he told me, three quiet times a day. For those of you who know, a quiet time is when you set aside time with God's word and you read it and you pray and communicate to God. And when he said that, I was like, three? And he said, not that you simply just go and boop, 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 try and read 10 chapters of the Bible. You're like, quiet time. He said, no, that you stop and he said, you listen. You don't have your phone on you. You're not asking God for anything, but rather you are listening to the spirit of God and you are sitting in patience and in silence. Let your words be few. Why would that be important? Because I think, and I would hope you would think, that God, he has some things to say. And usually when he has some things to say, guess what? He's normally right. At least last time I checked. He's, he's usually right, and so... Sometimes we need to shut up in our friendships with others, but sometimes we just need to stop and listen to God. When's the last time you stopped for a minute or two minutes 
And for 10 minutes, you didn't turn the radio on or the, the music on. You didn't turn the show on. You didn't check your phone right away. You just said, God, I'm here to listen tonight. Or I'm here to listen for the next 10 minutes. I'm going to leave my phone in my car. I'm going to go on a walk. For, I'm d- blocked down and back, and I'm here to listen, God. Because I know if I don't listen to you, I'll probably say something of my own or that's not from you. And this is really weird, really weird, but I do this all the time, all the time. Um, I end up finding myself in situations that I'll say something I regret. In the moment, emotions get high. Anyone else ever do that? Raise your hand if that's you. Sweet. Oh, this is great. So anyway, here's, here's what I do. Um, and I actually did this a couple weeks ago, actually in a meeting that was here. I'll get into a meeting or a conversation, and I'll start to sense I'm getting hot. And I'm running out of breath, which means I have about 10 seconds to make a decision. If I use those 10 seconds to think about how frustrated I'm getting, it's over. It's, it's already done. Slam the door. It's, it's curtains. Or this is what I'll do, and this is very elementary, um, and it's, it's true, and this is what I'll say. Hey, do you care if I use the bathroom real quick? Now, potty breaks are, I'm not lying because I have to pee all the time and it just works out great. So I'm, I'm not lying. I go to the bathroom. I breathe for 30 seconds. I, I, I'm dead serious. I do this on normal occasions. Some of you are going to be like, why are you in the bathroom? Um, and I'm, I'm taking a second to breathe so I can think about how I'm going to respond. Okay. This is, you know, I'm categorizing things. I shouldn't say this. This is not worth it. Why did I want to say this? And I go back in, hey, all right, man, I'm doing good. Let's talk about this again. But just to chill, just to let the emotions simmer a little bit, because I know for me most of the time, shutting up is probably a win. Number four, words show the condition of the heart. It says in Proverbs 18, The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprave the righteous of justice. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. You ever knew someone that just needed beat up? because of their mouth. I beat up my nephew a couple, or last week because he was running his mouth, both of them, and I warned him three times. I asked for my sister's permission, and then uh, he, we about, you know, he was mad at me for a long time. So anyway, a fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. He was beating up his sister, and she's like younger than him. He's beating her up, beating her up, and I said, you never had an older brother, did you? And he didn't, and I knew that, and he's like, ah, and he's beating her up, and so I just, you know, had to do it. I had to be a loving uncle. The words of a whisper are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Go to the next couple verses I have. Words will show the condition of your heart. One time I was teaching in the middle school, and I actually thought about this tonight, but I'm like, ah, they'll think it's corny. I had a, uh, a cow tongue, okay? And the cow tongue is huge. I mean, it's, it's huge. It's like five pounds. And then I brought in a pig tongue, and a pig tongue is tiny. It's like nothing. I zip, they're in, you know, vacuum sealed bags. There's not, you guys are getting weird. So, and I brought them in and I held both of them up. And I said, which one, depending on the size, would have more power? You know, and they're all like, the cow tongue. You know, and they're yelling, I'll give one away or whatever. And they're all yelling about it just to get attention. But the principle of the story or the illustration is this. Regardless of the tongue size or um, what it looks like, 
it is equally powerful for everybody, no matter the size. And it's not the tongue that's actually the issue. It's really the heart. I used to get so mad when my mom would say, Michael, and she would catch me like either listening to something I shouldn't listen to or watching something I shouldn't watch. She would say, what goes in here comes in here and comes out here. What goes in here comes in here. And she would repeat this over and I know, mom, I know, mom, I know. But she was right. She was right. It would show the condition of the heart, where your heart really is. It says in James chapter 3, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If someone says, hey, I don't struggle with my tongue, James says, you're a liar. And the scariest verse uh, in chapter 3 verse 1 says, not many of you should be teachers, for those of you who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Yeah, and the reason that is important, or the reason I hate that verse is because what it says is even if you teach someone in a one-on-one Bible study, what you teach someone on a stage, what you teach someone through posting, through your stories, it says that be careful that you don't just jump into teaching someone something because people have long memories. They'll remember the time you blew up on them. What's he saying? What's she saying? Be careful, he's saying, because the tongue gets you in a lot of trouble. Matthew 15, 18, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. It exposes us. And Proverbs 10, 19 is the preacher's sin, man. When the words are many, transgression is not lacking. Whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Is prudent that whenever, when words are many, you're going to sin. When you talk a lot, you will sin. It's just a reality. After you say so many things, you're going to lie about the story. You're going to exaggerate the story. You're going to downplay something. You're not going to give all the information. You're going to make a jab. You're going to gossip. You'll say something, and you're like, a lot of you are listening to this right now. You're like, shoot, I ain't ever talking again. Get the duct tape out. That's the giveaway we have tonight is duct tape on your way home that you don't tell you that everybody's walking around. Um, you're like, man, it just shows the condition of your heart. The reason the Bible does this to us is so that none of us, none of us would be like, man, I am killing it. I'm just a good person. The Bible would say that because of our tongue, all of us would be like, man, I've said some things I shouldn't. I've, I've probably hurt people. I have let corrupting talk come out of my mouth. It's in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 17, it says this, the words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. That the people who shout the loudest normally, normally aren't heard anyway. The people, how many of you are the youngest in here? Raise your hand if you're the youngest. Ah, my peeps, yeah. So for the youngest, we just learned to talk real loud because we had to. You just had to. You got to yell at someone or say something. And really, in Ecclesiastes, it says the shouting of a ruler among fools, but really it's those who are quiet who are heard. That's, that's really the, the angle we should take. And lastly, as we close up tonight, number five, those who are wise are noticed in how and when they talk. So, Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How you say what you are saying, when you are saying it, truly, truly matters. Those who are wise are noticed. Other people, as it said in Titus 2, will see it. 
other people will say, man, he or she says the right things at the right time for exactly what I need. They just know how. And the challenge for you and I is this. How do I become someone who has a soft answer despite what people are saying? Despite what I think that they're thinking or what I think they're bringing up. My words matter. And if I was having coffee or you're having coffee with your grandpa or someone old and wise, they're going to mention something along the lines of, you should watch. You should watch your words. And it was J.D. Greer who said this, that you soak in the word so when you're cut, you bleed out God's word. That you would soak God's word in, that you would listen to the Bible, you would listen to sermons, you would read the Bible, you would take it in. Not if, but when you're cut by life, by someone else, you're criticized, you're made fun of, you're mocked, you, you would bleed out God's word. That that truly is the hope of what you sh- how you should respond or I should respond. And as our example always is in everything, pretty much, um, who responded to critics and mockers and people who hated him the best. You get, yeah, you know his name, yeah, Jesus, yeah, it was him. And so when people were mocking him, yelling at him, screaming at him, hitting him, saying any kind of things that you could, the worst things you could imagine, what did he typically say? He didn't say nothing. One time he says, you've answered correctly. One time he says, my kingdom's not of this world, but the majority of the time he would let his actions do the talking, because here is the, the scary part about every word that you and, I, or you and I say. It's in Matthew, I think it's in 12, it, or yeah, 12 says this, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. You can just soak that one in tonight. That one alone, every careless word. Why would Jesus say that? I thought he was big grace guy. I thought he was all about love. I thought he was, all, why would he say that? He says that so that you would understand you need grace. He says that so you would be like, every careless word? What about my thoughts? What about the things I thought no one heard me say? What about the time I screamed the cuss words in the car at God and thought he didn't hear? No one heard. Now what do I do? Every careless word, now what? And it's in Luke 23, It says this, Jesus, as he is hanging on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Words have tremendous power. God speaks and things are created. He spoke and the earth was created. He spoke, your life was created. He spoke and he speaks and is speaking to you and things happen. You speak and you're a sinner. You speak, and you fall short. But the sweet thing about it is, you speak, and you can also be saved. That it says in the Bible, if you confess with your what? Mouth, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can or you will be saved. That God speaks things into existence, we speak and we fall short, but you can also speak with your mouth and be saved. Words have tremendous power. I'll finish with this quick story. 
some of you have heard this a few times, but for sake of illustration, I need to. Um, I was four years old, and I first realized I was at a, a small, or it was small, it was not, it was actually a decent-sized church in downtown Akron on Brown Street. I was four years old. I first started to realize that I needed a Savior. I, I started to realize I needed uh, saved for my sins. So what did I do? I, they gave an altar call, and I got my hightail out of that all, the aisle, and I ran down there, and I prayed the sinner's prayer. I used my mouth and my words to pray that prayer. Fast forward a couple years, I'm in middle school, and I start getting around the wrong crowd, and I have no evidence in my life for God. I had no heart for God. In my middle school and high school years, I actually came to the point where I would verbally say how much I hated God. I had no desire for God, but then what happened? My senior year, a lot of things took place, but I had something in my memory. All I had to do was say the sinner's prayer. So then what did I do? I started saying it. I quoted that. I knew that thing backwards. Dear God, what? I'm a sinner. Would you come into my... I I quoted it. I, I could quote it backwards. I could probably quote it in the Greek. Who knows? I don't even know Greek, but I quoted it. And I would say those words because I thought the words would save me. I thought it was in the power of the words that would save me. I didn't realize that it was in the power of the gospel that saves me, not my words. My words communicated to God the decision I was making in my heart. I would always say, I would make a mistake. I would be worried I wasn't saved. Dear God, I'm a, I would say the sinner's prayer on the way home. I would make a mistake. I'd be doing this, say the sinner's prayer. Just, just to what? Be sure. Just wanted to be sure. I had misunderstood that the sinner's prayer can't save you. What is this? I mean, what are we, a call? You just say a phrase and you're just, you're in? No, it's not, it's not any of that. It's that the gospel of Christ saves us not by our works, but by his. And for a lot of you, and for some of you in this room, if I've prayed with you, what do I typically say? Why don't you tell God the decision that you've just made? Why don't you tell him? Because it's in here. It's not in your words, but it's in your words that you communicate. And for some of you, You've been banking, banking your entire life on a moment where you said a sinner's prayer, not that you surrendered. And that is, for me, when I was 18, I realized I was hoping that I was saved by a prayer, not by my relationship with Christ and what he did on the cross and telling him. And I remember when I was 18 and I decided, I, I realized it is in my heart that it hadn't hit yet, and when it hit, the sinner's prayer scared me to death. I was scared to death of it. And now I would say I understand the tool of it. But for some of you, ask yourself the question, are you trusting in your salvation for the words that you used to cry out to God? Or are you trusting in what Christ has done in the death and resurrection? Some of you have never made that decision and you need to tonight. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for Proverbs. We thank you for wisdom with our words or to watch our words. God, I pray that you would help our speech to be life-giving, not life-taking. I pray that you would help all of us, myself included, to be wise and have a cool and understanding spirit. Father, would you give us wisdom in relationships and maybe where we've been hurt and how we deal with those things. And God, ultimately tonight, I do pray for anyone here 
um, who is trusting in their words to save them. They're not trusting in Christ. And so, God, I pray that as we've talked tonight and maybe they've thought through that, Lord, I pray that they would decide tonight for the first time that they need saved from their sin. Not, and their words are not going to save them, but really it's the death and resurrection of Christ. We thank you for this evening, Lord. We thank you that we get to be here, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.